welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Hallelujah. Victory belongs to Him. God is so good. Don't ever forget it. See, hurt and pain and difficulty can make you forget things about God. Don't you ever forget that your God is still with you because he said he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's not a cliche. That's a reality. And so let's always remember that. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be back today. I'm glad to be back here in front of my family. I miss y'all. Miss seeing you. Miss seeing you. Feel like we never left. And so I'm being in here today. And so We are going to go ahead and dig into our message today. We'll start a series next week, but doing something else today. Turn with me um, to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And we're going to see if y'all still remember how to read with each other. See if y'all got some ring rust. Amen. Let's Let's go for one, two, Three, read. Amen. I want to talk about um, in this time that we have together, you can make it through any season. You can make it through any season. Let's go before the Lord. God Almighty, we are ecstatic together. We don't take it for granted. Um, Even though we've had time away from each other, um, I hope we didn't get used to it. Um, I pray that we would eagerly desire to gather with one another again to honor and glorify you. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer, whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. 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 If you hear me clear my throat, it ain't Rona, it's my allergies. I don't want nobody to say, oh Lord, the pastor spreading the word and COVID. Let me get out of here. All right. I've had two COVID tests within the last, three COVID tests in the last few weeks, all which came up negative. Amen. Praise the Lord. How you can make it through any season. Over the last few months, I've been meditating on the goodness of God's grace on my family and the church and just different things where I've seen God just bring the church, bring my family, bring me through some tough seasons. Um, I look at the fact that I've been driving the neighborhood during the pandemic even more and going around the community and just watching the amount of churches that are closing and being 
uh, brought to rubble and redeveloped into housing properties <clears throat> have let me know that, um, man, God, God's been sort of good. Uh, we're not um, dogging it with anybody. We pray for anything that happened to anybody else, but we've been seeing and noticing um, God, God, God's goodness on us. He's been really, really gracious to us. There's pastors that started ministry either around the time that I have or whatever that's transitioned, and many of them transitioned from burnout and just pain from ministry now and, and, uh, and challenges with it and everything. And it's interesting that, that, that that's, that's some of my testimony. The question is, has anyone in here ever made it through a tough season? <clears throat> have you ever made it through a tough season? Um, I, I, I want you to meditate and think about that. Have you ever, I don't know, your tough season may have been divorce. That's a tough season. Have you ever, you, you may have been through a miscarriage. That's a tough season. You may have been through job loss. That's a tough season. You may have had COVID. That was a tough season for you. You may have seen some death in your family. That was a tough season. You may have seen some betrayal or experienced some betrayal of yourself. That was a tough season. And so one of the things that we want to do is recognize that as God takes us through life in the corridors of life and its challenges is that he is able to make sure that no season causes us to be fully crushed from what we are supposed to be, but hopefully push us and throttle us more into who he has called us to be. Um, <clears throat> you know, Jesus Christ is talked about so much in the book of Hebrews. It's a huge book about Jesus. The book is really written to <clears throat> talk about the reality of how much bigger Jesus is than everything. Um, sometimes it's very, very difficult to realize in this world where so much is before us that Jesus is bigger than everything. In the, in, in the book, the, the, the writer says Jesus is bigger than angels. He said, you think angels are pretty, pretty dope? Jesus is big. He said, you think Moses with, well, you know, he, he, he parted the waters and he went up on the mountain and, and all of that good stuff. And he came down glowing and had to wear a veil over his face and he did miracles and everything. Jesus is bigger than him. <clears throat> he said, he said, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the Sabbath day is a big deal and we need to get rest on it and all of that. But Jesus actually is our Sabbath. He, uh, 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 he said, you thought the high priest was something. He, he's able to teach you. He's able to go in there. And, and, and help you get one with God. Well, he said that he has to do sacrifices for himself, but Jesus doesn't need sacrifices for himself because he's never sinned. Therefore, Jesus is better than the high priest. <clears throat> Not only that, he talks about lambs. He said they were good sacrifices, but he said they only put your sins on layaway. Jesus Christ took them out all the way. So Jesus is better than everything. And he's a sustainer and faithful. Jesus, matter of fact, we need to know today that Jesus is better than anything. Jesus is better than your girlfriend. Jesus is better than your boyfriend. Jesus is better than your spouse. Jesus is better than your children. Jesus is better than your job. Jesus is better than your happiness. <laughs> there is nothing in your life that you can mark next to Jesus in any type of way that can actually give him competition in his uh, you, you needing to, to be invested in your affections being towards him. And so note, what's interesting about Hebrews though, is that many people talk about the large topic of what Hebrew, the book of Hebrews is about. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus bigger than everything. But there's a reason, there's a reason 
why he's making the point that Jesus is better than anything. Because the people in Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians, <clears throat> were dealing with a ton of persecution, a ton of challenges, and a ton of local difficulties among themselves. And what ended up happening is there were those that were on the fence with the faith. And as they were on the fence with faith, he gave four or five warnings. If you, I don't know if you ever do your Bible reading, read Hebrews, and you went up on one of them passages. And if you read a warning passage, the way you're supposed to read it, it scares you a little bit. You know, it, it talks about not being able to return from repentance. If you go too far, you're like, oh, Lord. You'd be like, you'd be like Lord, have mercy. Help me today, God. I don't, I don't want to go away from you. But, 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 but the warning is for examination. Examination. When you go through a difficult season, it's a time for examination. See, see, he, he's trying to get them to endure hard seasons because many of us don't recognize that if you don't feel this uncomfortable, you won't grow. Let me, let me say that again. Discomfort isn't for you to evaluate your Christian faith. Discomfort is for you to evaluate you. Evaluate you. Uh, 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 and, 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 so, and so hard seasons call for introspection, retrospection. So looking in yourself and looking back over some things as you process life. And then not running for the point of pain and conflict. That, that's, that's not what we do. I hope y'all hear me today. And knowing the difference between transition and running. You, you have to know the difference. You know, we spiritual enough. You know, the, the, the Lord has, you know, called me to move on. You know, we know the language. But really, you ran up on something difficult. And really, you trying to spiritualize your way out of dealing with some pain and some messed up stuff that you, I've been there before. You know, I've hyper, you know how we hyper, you, we know enough Christian language to make how we act and sound spiritual. <laughs> You, you, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, that, that, that's what we do. And so, and so, but you have to know the difference between transition and running. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so I got three points for you. I may give them all for you up front. If you are going to notice you can make it through every season. Number one, you got to listen to the right voices. You got to let some stuff go and you got to look to Jesus. Let, let me, let me say it again. You got to listen to the right voices. You got to let some stuff go. And you got to look to Jesus. Look at the text. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is interesting. That therefore, you always, I remember when I was in seminary, they said you always got to know what the therefore is there for. The therefore is therefore to capsulize everything that's been said in the book, particularly in the chapter before this. In chapter 11, it's, it's, it's what's called the hall of faith. It's giving redemptive history, the, the record of redemption and how God was at work in people's lives and how people responded to God in very difficult seasons by faith. If you, if you read the Hall of Faith, there is not a person in the Hall of Faith that didn't have a difficult season. As a matter of fact, some of them may have had some more difficult seasons than you. 
Uh, like, like when they said, um, some have been sawn in two. Now, I don't know about you. When I heard that part, I said, I don't know how Christian I am. Because when they saw you in two, they not hitting you with no Novocaine. You understand? It's, it's Saul, alive and... He says, therefore. He says, in other words, I'm going to encourage you that no matter how difficult your life is, what I want you to do is I want you to know that you're surrounded by some witnesses, some good voices. What does that mean? <clears throat> the idea of witnesses here points to the amphitheater in their particular time. And it's, and it's not, and, 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 and having onlookers watching you as you are in a particular sport event. And so he's likening your Christian life as a sporting event. Your walk with Jesus Christ is a marathon. In other words, everybody has a lane and the competition isn't anybody else. Your competition is you and you living in light by Jesus' power of who God has called you to do in order to be faithful in every area of your life. That's what it points to. But these witnesses aren't just spectating. They're actually testifying. And, and, and what's interesting about these, these, these spectators that are testifying, what they're doing, and, and what, what they're doing is everybody from all time, God somehow gives them a picture of how Christians are doing on earth. And, and it's almost like they're wishing and wanting for us and watching us navigate life or wishing for us to not give up because I don't know if God lets them see a little bit of what's in our future and where we are and what difficulty we in because one of the things that I've learned, <clears throat> when you're on the cusp of something great for God, it's always demonic activity that intensifies. There's always preseason. My grandmama called it devilment. I don't know if it's a word. I like, I just think it's a great word. He, she said, boy, you get into some devilment. That means you was being bad. In your life, there's some devilment that will come up. And it almost feels like it comes out of nowhere. And see, the way the enemy works is the enemy is not, he doesn't really care about what you do and don't do. He cares about it in connection to God's glory. And so if you're moving forward in ways, in ways to glorify God, the enemy will send some stuff your way. And he like, if he can't get you in your finances, he'll get you in your family. If he doesn't get you in your family, he'll get you in your friendships. If he doesn't get you in your friendships, he'll get you in your faithfulness. He will try to go around every single area of your life. Then he will stalk you and look at your weaknesses and try to throw you some things and slip you a Mickey. And you have to be aware enough that in the hard season, if you're not paying attention, if you're only paying attention to the fact that the season is hard, you won't know what's actually going on and you won't see the spiritual warfare, you won't see the challenges and you won't see the potential that God wants to do in you. But if you're self-absorbed and in your own closet and locked off away from yourself, locked off away from God, locked off away from prayer, locked off away from the word, locked off away from community, locked off away from truth. What will end up happening in your life is you will find yourself in a frustrating circumstance and you will short circuit some things that God wants to do in you. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm believing today that you're not going to let where you are stop you from what God has for you. You won't let where you are stop you from going into ways of glorifying God that you have never seen before I can hear I can hear him watch y'all heard me say this before I like, I, I like this Abel Abel said I understand what you're going through my brother betrayed me too Enoch said 
I know what it's like to be lonely. I walk with God and he took me. Noah said, I preached 150 years. And as a failed sermon, the only people that came to church was my family. Y'all not listening to me today. Abraham said, I know what it's like to leave the familiar. Sarah says, I know what it's like to laugh at God when he tell you he's going to do something that you don't believe he can do. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me. I, I, I can hear Jacob saying, I've wrestled with God too. And I wrestled to the point to where no matter how much pain I was in, I wasn't going to let him go until he blessed me. Y'all not going to talk back to me. <laughs> I can hear Moses saying, God loves me enough. I remember when he told me to speak to the rock. And I struck it. And he told me I couldn't enter the promised land. I did enter the bigger promised land. But I didn't enter the little one. So don't give up on God because some of your sin consequences has caused some temporal issues in your life. You keep on walking with him. I died on a mountain watching God's people going into a promised land. But when I closed my eyes, I woke up in a... Rahab said, I know, I know what it's like for the preacher to walk in your house and you a prostitute. The preachers came in my house. They came in my house, but I repented and they treated me as forgiven. Oh, help me today. I can hear Samson saying, I was a hypocrite my entire walk. But, 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 but I still, God still had mission in me. And even though they gorged my eyes out and it beat me, I leaned up against a column and I leaned up against another column and I said, Lord, give me strength one last time. And I leaned to nothing. God, I can feel the strength of the Holy Ghost come upon me one last time and I pushed the columns and the enemy. Listen, no matter how bad your stuff is in your life, God can call you even in your brokenness and call you to repentance and still use you past your failures, past your hypocrisy. See, you got to watch you got to watch the voices you listen to. I know what it's like to listen to the wrong voices. The enemy loves it when you listen to the wrong voices. In the season of loss, sometimes you need to hear something better. Like, trouble don't last always. In the season of pain, you need to hear God can heal you through it. In a season of leanness, you can hear God can provide. In a season of anxiety, you can hear, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. You need to be careful of being and being and not hearing the right voice. I remember as I was going through a lot of difficult things in my life, um, I didn't realize it, but I came real negative. I didn't even realize it. And when I would talk to friends and different people, this is how you know you're negative. See, this is how you know you're negative. See, I can tell on my stuff. You need to tell your stuff. See, I know how you know you're negative is when the person on the other end of the line says something super optimistic. And you was like, you was like, 
Oh, I, oh, I, 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 I shift the vibes, didn't I? I? I was the one. I was the one with the bad vibes. See, many of us don't realize we the one with the bad vibes. And guess what the Holy Spirit said? He said, you're letting the pain you're going through influence your perspective so much that when good comes up, you talk about it short. When bad comes up, you have a dissertation. And I said, I called everybody. I said, I know why you don't call me no more. I said, I know exactly. I'm negative. And they was quiet. They said, <laughs> I'm just being honest. And I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit told me that if you keep being so negative, you're going to drive everybody that love you away from you. See, sometimes you need to hear some hard things from God in those seasons so that you can get beyond them. Oh, I got to go. Let some stuff go. You got to let some stuff go. It says, lay aside every weight, every weight or every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us or clings to us. That, that word, that, that word is interesting there, um, means throw aside, letting us, I mean, throwing it off. It means it has an immediacy to it. Some stuff don't need to be held on to. For long, you need. See, some people like to get better in process. That, that's called laziness. Some of us. That means you want to hold it like you're not going to be as bound because you can get out of it in process. But it talks about throwing that particular cause. And and he says every hindrance. It means encumbrance. What does that mean? It means something that interferes or delays your progress. It, it, it's not necessarily a sin here. See, an encumbrance or a hindrance is something that's in your life that's not necessarily a sin, but it's something that can weigh you down. The idea was in their Olympics back in the day, they would run, and this is, uh, you know, not PG, they would, they would run with nothing on. <clears throat> and they would run with nothing on in the race because they didn't want anything in there on them to interfere with the way they run the race. Many of us have some things in our life that's not necessarily sin, but they're encumbrances that affects us. I'll never forget, um, and this is not putting down any religious community. <clears throat> I remember my wife and I, we lived in Houston, and it was a lot of Muslims that lived in our, our, our apartment complex. And I remember a, a, young, a, young, a, a, a young teenager had full garb on, jump in the water. Now, I don't know if you ever, when you getting out of the water, you feel like you, you, you feel like you picking yourself up real hard out of water. And I was like, how in the world is she swimming with all that on? And it was affecting her ability to, to, to swim well. And again, we're not putting down any religion, anyone or whatever, but, 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 the, but the idea is, is when, 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 you're, when you're doing something that you're trying to do with the best effort, with the best strength, and with the best endurance, you don't want as much on you when you're trying to do it because it takes away the intensity and depth by which you can do that particular thing. And see, you, 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 you and I, when we talk about encumbrances, we have to know who, what, and where is hindering us in our race. That means to be careful of what you and I take on. Then he says, sin that so easily clings to us or 
uh, 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 ensnares us. It means to be ensnared by a particular sin. What habits and sins is uh, uh, obstructing and constricting our ability to maximize our journey with God? What pain does for us is it helps us by the Spirit of God to identify those things and deal with them very much in a very, very helpful way. He said, let us run the race with endurance, meaning I want you, endurance is the ability to have dexterity and resilience in the midst of adversity. And so that's very important for us to be able to have that so that we can have maximum capacity of what God has called us to do. And set before us points to the fact that God has placed this particular thing before us so that we can live it out in light of the goodness of God in our life. Um, I went to I went to counseling during sabbatical, and um, and um, the counselor, uh, you know, uh, you know, I I I I I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I got problem people telling me about myself. Now I know nobody else in here has that type of issue in their life, but sometimes I have issues with with with, with people telling me about myself. So I'm sitting in, the, in session. It was in, it was an intensive time. And the counselor said, what are the greatest traumatic events that happened to you? I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> um, I told him. He was like, okay, okay. He's writing it. You know how you know, they be doing, writing stuff down and carrying on like they're doing math problems. <laughs> I'm sitting in there. And he says, <clears throat> what people were connected to those events? He said, write them down. He says, now, <clears throat> how did they hurt you and traumatize you? Wrote it down. And this was the kicker. He says, all right, what beliefs that are alternate to God's word that you created in your life that you live by to protect yourself from that type of trauma again? I said, what the heck is going on in here? So I wrote it down. And then because he knew my story, he was able to connect my response to trauma and relationships to how I made decisions with people, relationships, and most of all, in my marriage. And then he says, now, let's work through how that's not true, and let's work through God's truth. And he said, let's replace it with this. And then he did, he did that thing. He did, I don't have one up here. So what he did, I'm going to just use a microphone or something. I'm going to use one of these, see if I can use this. He said, he said, all right. He says, now sit down. I sat down in a chair. And he said, that's, issue, that's trauma person number one. I want you, he, he said, you don't realize that you gave them authority in your life that they don't have. And he said, what I want you to do, Mr. Mason, is I want you to imagine that person is sitting there. And I want you to tell them, the devil, and yourself that you will no longer allow what happened to you to hold you hostage in this situation again. And I did that, and man, I can tell you, even though it was painful, visiting my pain 
It was relieving knowing that I was empowered to go to the point and place a pain and face it with God's word and not lies that I told myself, but God's word. And guess what? My, the things that I said to myself about the situation actually made it worse, made my life miserable, and I was a little bitter. And guess what God did? God relieved it, pulled it back, and when I put his truth on that situation, it changed my outlook and weights in the spirit realm fell off of me. I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of you need to do the exact same thing. You need to do the exact same thing. And you got to let some stuff go. Some of y'all need to let some people go. Some of y'all need to let some people go. I'm not just talking about out of your life, out of your heart and mind. See, many of you have been holding your mom and dad hostage for 30 years. Uh-oh. It got, ain't no amens was on that part. <laughs> some of us blame, see, some of us blame people and traumas for our stupidity. I said our, I didn't say yours. We, this is a we situation, gospel community. And what we need to begin to do is we begin to need to allow the Lord's grace in our life to begin to deal with those people, those experiences, those challenges in those associations. But last but not least, lift your eyes to Jesus. Let me say it one more again. Lift your eyes to Jesus. I love this. Looking to Jesus. Stop. Do we do that enough? See, when you go through different seasons, do you assess your situations with Jesus in the room? See, assessing your situation with Jesus in the room changes the odds of his impact on you. When you don't assess things and look to Jesus and ultimately look to him as the mechanism to bring you through it, it's going to be, and then it, it not only says look to Jesus, it gives you two ways to look at him. Number one, you look at him as the founder or the author, the beginner of your faith. Why do you have to look at him as the beginner of your faith? Because it points to the fact that he created you, but he's also on the journey with you. Sometimes many of us feel abandoned because we don't have a good understanding of what Jesus is like. Because you go through a hard season does not mean Jesus is no longer there. Jesus' presence in your life isn't based on feeling. If you let feeling guide your life, you're going to lose your mind. Jesus said he's going to be there. He didn't say you're going to feel like I'm there. He said I'm actually going to be there. But not only does it call him the author of our faith, he, he's, author, he's the pioneer of bringing us into the faith through uh, grace alone, through faith alone, through himself alone. Not only does he do that, but, but, but then he's the perfecter. <coughs> that means although you're in the faith, you are in process. That means if he's perfecting your faith, if he's perfecting, it's not just your belief, but your life in pertaining to that belief. And that's, 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 that's important. So do you process with Jesus in every season of your life? Do you process with yourself? How do you process? Do you process with unsound people? Who do you process with? He's our trailblazer in this faith. When it talks about him being the perfecter of our faith, finally says this about Jesus. As he's the perfecter of our faith. So keeping our eyes on the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was laid before him. 
Jesus going to the cross <coughs> was a joy. Now, that's super confusing. How can getting nails in your hand and, and feet, pierced I beat with cannon, I'm, how, because he wasn't looking at the pain that was going to happen. He was looking at the production of the pain. If you don't look at what pain produces, you have to. Now, let me tell you this. <coughs> Somebody looking at me like, I ain't going to look at what the pain produces. I just want to get up out of this. Listen, when you go through a test, it's not enough to ask to get out of the test. You got to ask God, why am I in the test? And say, God, while I'm in this test and while I'm in this, what do you want me to get out of this? God rubs his hand together and say, let's get to work. And when that begins to happen, it doesn't stop the pain from happening. But what it does is it gives you perspective in the midst of it. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy, my brother. And when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work in you. And if anyone lasts wisdom or perspective, in other words, God sometimes wants to just give you a perspective that you wouldn't have paused to get. Because in the good seasons, in the happy seasons, you know we don't pray. Oh, look at y'all looking at me funny. You know, in the good seasons, this is how we pray if we do. God, I just thank you. Hallelujah. Pray you bless this day. Bless it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. You go through something hard. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, God, I come before you today, God. And I ask you, hallelujah, God, I need you today. It's different. Pain make you pray different. Them little nice prayers. Hello, Lord. Um, good morning, God. Who talks to God like that? Right? <laughs> but what God is doing in Jesus is it said he endured the cross, despising the shame. Mean he didn't let the way he looked on the cross get in the way of the purpose of the cross. It was shameful to get crucified, but he didn't look at how people viewed crucifixion to cause his response in the pain, listen, to affect him. In other words, and in eternity, the beauty about this is he's going to bear those marks. I'm done. One of the things that um, I think I told this story before, my wife and I remember we were looking for a house and as we were looking for a house you know it's a lot of older houses in in our in our region and you know it's not a lot of new constructions <laughs> and so you got to pick a pick a pick an older house and you got to deal with it and um and so I, I went into the house and we were looking at the house and 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 and, and I was looking around and I had my father-in-law with me and my father-in-law was, was looking at the house and I was like oh nah he's like what's wrong I said look at these cracks you see the crack over there? You see the crack over there? You see that crack over there? He said, oh, no, nah, that's good cracks. He said, good cracks? How can you have a good crack? He said, well, these cracks are a response to what's called settlement. He said, settlement, when you first build a house and you build a foundation, the foundation is, is, is not in a settled place, in a sturdy place. So what it does over the years is the house moves and shifts. And as it moves and shifts so that it could be stable for the long term, some cracks are going to happen. 
And when those cracks happen, you can't look at those cracks as things that, 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 that means the house is in danger. It actually means that the cracks tell you that the house is actually a safe place to live in. I don't know who I'm talking to today. And you've gone through some stuff where you've had some cracks. What you're going through in these tough seasons that you're going through is nothing but God settling you into your foundation, who is Jesus Christ. You had some cracks from that relationship. You had some cracks from that job. You had some cracks from all types of things. But God says, if you look back over your life and look at the grace and strength of what I've done, some of the pain, listen, Jacob walked with a limp for a reason. That was his crack. And if anybody asked him why he was leak limping, he would say, one night while I was on my way to reconcile with my brother, God showed up and I wrestled with God and he put a submission move on my hip and, and broke it and turned in some other direction. But I held on to him and I didn't tap out because I wanted what God had for me. And no matter what I had to go through, I had to hold on to God in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my frustration, in the midst of my struggle. And God listened, even though he put it back in place, I still had a crack to remind me that I met with God. I want you to stop being down on your life. And I want you to start journaling and writing where God was active. Listen, no matter what you go through, always try to find an evidence of God's grace. And so listen, in light of that, in light of this beautiful text, and in light of the witnesses, you and I can make it through any season. Father God, we thank you for mercy and grace and kindness that you give us that enables us <clears throat> and strengthens us in every season of life. Maybe there's someone here and you don't know Jesus as Savior. Whether you're going through or not, at this point, um, you're going through something unseen, and that's called separation from God. God doesn't want you to remain separated from him. What does separated from God mean? Separated from God means not having a relationship. And somebody said, well, if God's everywhere, doesn't everything have a relationship with him? No. Everything is a creation of God, but everything isn't related to God. And what happens is in light of <clears throat> what's called sin, we have a, something called a sin nature. Basically, it means that we can't help it but to do sinful things. And even our best things that we do, the Bible says, on our best day, our righteousness, or righteousness meaning good works <clears throat> or inherent good is just rags, filthy rags. It's almost like health is my good isn't good enough. No, nobody's good is good enough. That's unfair. I hear you. But guess what God did? God loves us enough that he sent Jesus to be real goodness. Live a good life that we couldn't live. To be good, not just do good. He was good. And he needed him to be good to die for us. God requires a spotless lamb as a sacrifice. Why would he do that? Because God can't forgive you without dealing with your sin. 
Forgiveness without dealing with sin is unjust. And so what God does is he transfers the penalty that was due us onto Jesus. When Jesus died in our place, if you have faith that he died in your place, was raised from the dead, God exonerates your record in heaven, gives you a clean record and a relationship with him by faith. If you're here today, you may not recognize God was going to cause you to die in your sin and live in it for eternity. However, Jesus Christ did in six hours what it would have taken us an eternity to do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we'd love to talk to you. If you're on the screen, if you're online, you don't know Jesus, we would love to talk to you about the Savior. Uh, if you're in here, you can lift your hand up. If you don't know Jesus, we'd love to talk to you. Hold your hand in the air. We'd lo love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone? Also, online, our search team is going to put an email in there where you're able, where you're able <clears throat> to contact them so that they can reach out to you and talk to you more about the faith. If you're here today in our service and you're going through a tough season and you just need prayer, you can stand where you are. I want to pray for you. You can stand where you are. I see you. I see you standing. Thank you for your boldness. I see y'all standing. You're in a tough season and you're like, God, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this season. This is encouraging, but I got to go home. If you're, in a, if you're in a tough season, I see you standing. Thank you for your boy. I see y'all. You're saying, I, I, I don't have perspective on this. Thank y'all for being bold. I see y'all standing. Tough season. You got some tough decisions to make, maybe. <clears throat> um, if that's you, we love to pray for you. On, on, on those online, you could just stretch your hand toward the TV, if that's you, or if you want to stand in your living room, we'd love to pray for you. Father, I come before you praying for your people. People are going through tough times, whether it's in light of the pandemic or it's just because. I see y'all still popping up. You can still pop up if you feel need be while I'm praying. I pray for them, Lord God, that you would touch them and meet them in their difficult time. Lord God, I pray that they would make good decisions, even in the midst of the pain. Help them not to do anything that's a foolish outlet. But Lord God, help them to walk with you in the midst of this. Help them to spend time with you. Help them to be committed to you. And Lord God, ultimately, I pray. Lord God, that you would help them to understand and know exactly what you want them to do, where you want them to be, how you want them to think, and what needs to happen in their lives in the midst of this season. And Lord God, I do pray for deliverance. I pray for deliverance and relief, but I also pray for change, strength, sanctification, so that they may know you again. Help, know, help them to know you afresh as the author, but also as the one who perfects as the one who develops and who trains. And Lord God, give them a sense of how you're actually at work and that there's so much to be thankful for even in the midst of this going on. But Lord God, I do pray that they would learn to cast their cares on you because you care for them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, um, <clears throat> let's uh, get our hearts and minds ready for communion. Yeah. Communion.
Communion is a time to celebrate uh, the Lord's death. Um, I think y'all already, already have them. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Let's prepare ourselves. Won't you stand, if you don't mind? Communion is a time to remember Christ's death. And not just remember it, but also actually celebrate his death. <clears throat> With communion, the old church used to do something called a love feast. That love feast was a celebration of Christ's love for us. And so communion isn't, even though it's reflective, um, it's also celebratory. And it's also to help us to have check-ins with how we're doing with the Lord. That's why it talks about examining ourselves, right? But what's beautiful is this is the symbol of our Lord's death and his murder and ultimately pushes us to realizing that we were raised with him. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given up for you. Let us eat together. After, after the meal, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the removal of sins. Let us drink together. For those who are um, new members, we praise God for you. You can pick up your certificates in the pastoral lobby, the pastoral lobby right there, and through the double doors right there. They'll have those for you. Were y'all glad to be back today? Y'all were glad to be back today? Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.